Kicking off this episode of Monster Kid Radio with the song Chupacabra Mascota from the band Los Panguinos. They are a surf band based out of Brunswick, Maine, and you can find them at Bandcamp at surflospanguinos.bandcamp.com and check out this digital release. It's awesome, and they gave us permission to play this song on this episode of the podcast devoted to the classic and sometimes not so classic genre cinema of yesteryear talking about monster kid radio where we are celebrating lucha de mayo here on the show that's right every may we look at luchador monster movies and i've got a good one lined up this time around i want to welcome you to what is going to be a very fun ride now we dipped into the luchador thing a little bit last week when i took you back to the joy cinema here in tigard oregon and i introduced the asanto and blue demon movie and actually introducing that movie kind of rattled my brain a little bit and last week I announced what this week's movie was going to be and I kind of had this plan set up regarding what movie I was going to talk about this week and then next week and I, and I mixed it all up so if you came here looking for Santo and Blue Demon, the Wolfman and Dracula getting it on, stay tuned that's happening next week with Frank Schildener. This week we've got Mark Peterson the man himself, Dr. Tongue is joining me to talk about a movie that I'm going to try to pronounce in Spanish Santo and La Venganza de la Momia, or you might know it as Santo and the Vengeance of the Mummy. And you might even be hearing my cat Wednesday in the background as I'm recording this. Why she decided right now to start talking, I have no idea. But anyway, uh, that's the movie we're talking about this week, Santo and the Vengeance of the Mummy. Now, we've got a few of our regular segments here. We've got Kenny's second part of his four-part series looking at famous monsters of Filmland and how they covered the Mexican monster movies. And, of course, we've got another story from Professor Frenzy with Professor Frenzy's Bedtime Stories. That's all happening in this episode. I'm excited to get to it all. I hope you guys and gals dig it. Put on your luchador mask and wait for the timekeeper to ring the bell right after this. comes the diabolic killer of beautiful women, the vampire's coffin. See a vampire's body stolen from its tomb. A psycho killer removes the stake so the vampire can again prey on beautiful women. And to complete a double night of horror, a monstrous nightmare of terror turned loose in a fight to the death. The robot versus the Aztec mummy. They will bring you a night of terror. them, but don't come alone. 
the vampire coffin in an all-new double horrorama show with the robot versus the Aztec mummy, presented in hypnoscope. To heighten the horror, shock your senses, chill your brain. It could only be shown at midnight. I am vengeance. I am the night. I am you Batman. You need to take out the trash. I don't have time for that now. We have two podcasts I have to create a new promo for. What? Both JLU cast and Supermates? Yes. JLU cast where you and I discussed the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited animated series from Bruce Tim and Company. And Supermates, our original show where we talk about all sorts of geeky stuff, including our annual House of Frankenstein series on classic horror films. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. But how do we combine this into one promo? I have no idea, but it sounds like we're doing our original Supermates promo all over again. I kind of think we are, but hey, other folks kind of aped it, so it must have worked. Well, why don't you get to work taking out the trash, and I'll finish up. Great. So join us, Cindy. And Chris. On JLU Cast and Supermates, both proudly part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, found at fireandwaterpodcast.com and on iTunes. Dr. Tongue's I Had That Shot, 7129 Northeast Fremont Street, vintage goofiness from years gone by. Sci-fi and fantasy memorabilia. We specialize in things your mother threw away, and some she didn't. Dr. Tongue's Toys. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. Welcome to Professor Frenzy's Bedtime Stories, created especially for Monster Kid Radio. My name is Jerry Green. In this segment, I'm going to tell you some stories contained in the EC Horror Comics. Today's story is The Werewolf Legend. It is from The Vault of Horror number 12, the April-May issue from 1950. It was written by Bill Gaines and Al Feldstein, and the art was by Wally Wood and Harry Harrison. So sit back, relax, while I tell this hair-raising tale. Once upon a time, there was a young man named Walter Mallory, who lived in England in the deep forests in the Devon Moors. One night, when the moon was full, Walter turned into a werewolf. He was out in the woods and chased, attacked, and killed an innocent man. The next day he awoke, assuming he had a nightmare. But when he looked in the mirror, he saw a hairy beast instead. Walter passed out, and when he woke up, he had returned to normal. He went down to breakfast where he spoke with his cousin, Sir Gregory. The butler came in and reported the death of one Tom Habersham. His body was torn to shreds on the old Moor Road. Walter knew that he had killed Tom, and he became ill. At his cousin's suggestion, he went into the library to relax. There he found some books on his family's history that Sir Gregory was reading. In the pile, he found a manuscript describing a family legend. His was a family of werewolves. The first of the line was Edmund, who became a werewolf on crusade. The curse had been in the family ever since. That night, the moon was full, and Walter again changed into a wolf. He ran out into the woods and attacked a man on horseback and tore out his throat with his horrible fangs. 
The next day, he went to the local constable to turn himself in. They didn't believe him, but due to his prominence, an officer from Scotland Yard offered to have his house surrounded by coppers. Walter said, if you see a wolf, shoot to kill. That night, with the moon again full, the transformation overcame Walter again. He attacked and killed another man. In the morning, he realized the police had failed and that he needed to kill himself. He took out a gun with the intent of ending his own life when he was interrupted by the man from Scotland Yard. He told him that Sir Gregory had been captured. His cousin had hypnotized Walter into thinking he had killed those men who had been blackmailing him. While under hypnosis, he put makeup on Walter's face and convinced him that he was the murderer. Gregory even had the family manuscripts faked, all to convince Walter he was the killer. If Walter had killed himself, all the family fortune would be Gregory's. Walter is a free man, and not a werewolf. The end. I hope you enjoyed that creepy story. This isn't really a horror story in the traditional sense, there really isn't a werewolf. However, it shows that the real monsters can be normal people, which is an EC standard. The story is set in England, so the art is full of dark woods, moors, and baronial estates, complete with suits of armor. Even Scotland Yard is called in. This story hits so many of my personal sweet spots for monster tales that I'm inclined to forgive the fact that there isn't really a werewolf. I'm sure Walter's happy about that too. If you're interested in a copy of The Vault of Horror Volume 1, the book can be purchased on Amazon, and you can find a link to buy it on the MKR website. I hope you enjoyed the story. My name is Jerry Green, and you can find me on my podcast, The Professor Frenzy Show, where we talk about new indie comics, and Bat Books for Beginners, where we talk about historical Batman and Bat Family comics. You can also catch me on Twitter, at Professor Frenzy, and search for Professor Frenzy on YouTube, where you can find the Professor Frenzy Show and some exciting projects we have coming up. Stay tuned, and thanks for listening. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. Professor Frenzy, it's a show. Professor Frenzy, show. Vampires, werewolves, zombies. Yes, these things are real, but fortunately for those of us who can afford him, so is Mark Temple. And he's good. Real good. He's a former FBI agent turned freelancer with the knowledge and skills to eliminate your monster problems. And his rates are negotiable. Monster Hunter for Hire, the first volume of the Supernatural Solutions, The Mark Temple Case Files, is now available in both ebook and paperback. Go to tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple to buy your copy of Derek M. Cook's latest book. Read about Mark Temple, the experienced professional now available to rid you of your supernatural, ghoulish, and monstrous pests. That's tinyurl.com slash monsterhuntertemple. And don't worry, Mark Temple is discreet. Baby, dance, come and dance with me Hear the beat of the mountain sea Ride, baby, ride, come and ride with me Let your feet go easy What do you make of this? 
Where does the other end go? It dumps into the ocean. It looks exactly like the South American Fantigua fish. I hope you can take one alive, Sheriff. I still believe that a human clawed that girl to death. The Beach Girls and the Monster. Starring John Hall, Sue Casey, and the glamorous Watusi dancing girls from Hollywood's famed Whiskey-A-Go-Go nightclub. Music by Frank Sinatra, Jr. You got a monster in the turf. Chicks, do you have a problem? You won't have after you meet the monster on the beach. If you see this ghoul, play it cool. Beauties in bikinis, laughing, singing, surfing, sinning. Beach party lovers making hey hey in the moonlight while the monster waits and watches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one will kill you. Hola cabezones de Radio de los Niños Monstruos. Soy Kenny con un vistazo a Monstruos Famosos de la Tierra del Cine. The second part of Monsters from Mexico comes at the end of issue 122 in a 10-page article with 13 pictures. It begins with a synopsis of Dr. Satan from 1966, which featured zombies controlled by the title Doctor. Next comes a sequel, 1967's Dr. Satan and Black Magic. That is followed by a look at Autopsy of a Ghost, which imported John Carradine, Cameron Mitchell, and Basil Rathbone to appear with the man-child Chabelo. Chabelo is a famous Mexican TV personality who did a kid's show advertising all types of junk food via silly games. Chabelo played the part of a squeaky-voiced boy well into his 80s, till he retired not too long ago. The film sounds crazy, as you can tell by its synopsis. In 1567, Canuto Perez committed suicide. His punishment was that he would not have eternal peace unless he finds a woman who falls in love with him and sacrifices her life. 400 years later, Satan generously provides him with three women, but he is rejected by each and every one of them, not because he was a ghost, but because they all have their own problems. The following day, all meet at the ghost house. Galena, a pretty woman who happens to be half insane, Susanna, a sassy and superstitious maid, Vitola, a female robot, Moleculo, a mad inventor, played by Cameron Mitchell, Satan himself, played by Basil Rathbone, and Chabelo, a spoiled child. A bank robber arrives to complicate matters, followed by an agent who calls himself 07 and a half. The thief is also followed by a crooked mouthpiece and two cheaters who are looking for a sucker. An amnesiac heir steps in with the purpose of kidnapping the beautiful Galena. They all make fun of the devil, and in the midst of all the madness, there is only one sane woman, the Robotrex. She falls in love with and gives her life for the ghost at the very moment the inventor is performing a complicated algebraic autopsy of the ghost to disintegrate it. The atomic bomb of a Latin American country explodes by mistake. There is not time for further investigation, and immediately thereafter, the USA, Russia, Israel, France, and Red China 
believe they are being attacked and use their own nuclear bombs. Everything turns back to normal. Madness. The article continues with Batwoman from 1967, which features this production comment. Batwoman was shot in Acapulco, Mexico. It stars Mara Monte, a shapely Italian-Mexican actress whose battles with the Fishman monster made as many as eight changes of her bikini necessary in one day of arduous shooting. 1968's Lady Death follows, which also imported John Carradine. Next comes brief mention of House of Madness, Super Zan and the Space Boy, and Devil's Women from 1972. A Mexican Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde gets a full synopsis, The Man and the Beast from 1972. Next, Walt Lee introduces a look at luchador movies with this comment. Masked wrestlers are extremely popular in Mexico and many of them appear in both the arena and as movie heroes. In the 1957 movie Body Snatcher, Wolf Ravinsky's played a wrestler who was killed and brought back to life with the brain of a gorilla. In his new body, he had large stitches on his head, ape-like fangs, and was incredibly strong. Later, Wolf Ravinsky's played the black mass wrestler Neutron in a series of films including Neutron Against the Death Robots, Neutron and the Black Mask, Neutron Battles the Karate Assassins, Neutron vs. the Maniac, Neutron vs. the Amazing Dr. Caronte, Neutron Traps the Invisible Killers. About the same time Neutron got started, other masked wrestlers began appearing regularly in monster movies. Among the most popular are Santo, Blue Demon, and Mil Mascaris, A Thousand Masks. Other wrestlers who have appeared in horror adventure films are Angel, Blue Angel, Tenieblas, Darkness, Frankenstein, El Rayo de Jalisco, The Lightning of Jalisco, El Fantasma Blanco, The White Ghost, El Avespon Escarlata, The Scarlet Wasp. These wrestlers are somewhat like Batman in that, while they have no superpowers, their great strength, mental agility, and sheer daring give them the winning edge over even the most powerful supernatural creatures they might encounter. In many films, a wrestler appears in teams, as do the popular monsters. One group is called the Champions of Justice and includes Blue Demon, Mil Mascaris, El Rayo de Jalisco, El Fantasma Blanco, El Avispón Escarlata. In one of their films, they battle a crazed scientist who turns rats into aggressive monsters by means of molecular transformation. The article concludes with a closer look at Neutron and Santo. A list of 28 Santo films is given. Monster Kids, we have a lot of work still. And Santo and Blue Demon vs. the Monsters is featured in a full synopsis. Hasta luego, amigos! Volcano. Great herds of cattle stampede before this living inferno. Vast area devastated by appalling new horror. A creature named the Black Scorpion by panic-stricken people of San Lorenzo. Entire population prays for deliverance. 
For miles around, cowboys came upon one dead steer after another. One of them had heard the tale of the demon bull of the Maricopa. Having lost family or friends, to something absolutely unknown, we could be in another world. Nation's leaders confer as news received a possible threat to capital. This is a city of four million people. If word of these leaks out, the panic of the population could be worse than the scorpions. The Black Scorpion destroys communications. Hundreds annihilated. achieved before by any science fiction picture. Thousands in the cast. Have you heard? Black Clock Audio Tales is a daily podcast that reads you a story. Either a whole short story or a novel, a chapter or two at a time. Join us for our exploration of old ghost stories, supernatural fiction, horror tales, folk tales, fantasy, gothic horror, weird fiction, and cosmic horror. And don't forget to join us for our monthly show about the Cthulhu mythos at the end of the month. Black Clock Audio on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Black Clock Audio Tales. Part of darkmyths.org. Thank you. This is Count Dracula, and I'm here to offer you a friendly warning. Derek and his guests often get excited, and occasionally this results in revealing key plot points of the movies they're discussing. You know how the children of the night, ah, I mean monster kids, can get sometimes. So consider yourself warned. And don't come begging to me to kill them for their transgressions afterward. I have more pressing issues to take care of, like that pesky Van Helsing. And you know what? What the heck? Let's just use this episode to kick off Lucha de Mayo. 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 Mayo, thank you. Mark Peterson, welcome to Monster Kid Radio. Hey, how you doing, Derek? I'm good. Now, listeners, you hear this man's voice every other week on the show. He is the man behind Dr. Tongue's world of monster collectibles. Nope, say it, say it right. Say it right? World of monster collectibles! <laughs> See, I don't dare try to do that because I can't give it justice. Well, you know. You can't do it justice, man. That's It's it's a gift. Well, yeah, that's something. Um <laughs> That's what I keep being told. I'm the funniest man I know. 
I've enjoyed the heck out of the segments. They've been a lot of fun. I love putting them together when you send them to me and uh, just publicly going to say thank you here on the show for doing that. Oh, no, my pleasure, actually. It's just, you know, I've wanted to kind of do it for quite a while and I was trying to figure out how I was going to fit my puzzle piece into the Monster Kid Radio uh, world and and, uh, hopefully people are enjoying it and I enjoy doing them. Um, You know, it's kind of a pain in the butt trying to find stuff that you know people don't haven't heard of that's the problem well one of the most fun parts of it for me is when you do the artist spotlights and then i get to go dig around and find the websites you're talking about and i wish i had a lot more money to spend so yeah maybe it's not as fun but it is (laughs) it's interesting (laughs) well that's the beauty of the internet you can actually look at stuff and uh not actually own it but just covet it (laughs) that's what i do with a lot of my stuff you know yeah well you've got a whole store full of this stuff though you are the man behind dr tongues i had that shop which listeners if you are in the portland oregon area you need to do yourself a favor and go check that out it's i mean it's mecca man if you like old crap We've got a lot of it. Come on down. Take it away. I don't want to die with this stuff. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, Mark is you know, a fan of collectible toys and monsters, and he's a huge fan of luchador monster movies and wrestling and lucha libre in general. So, yeah, we had to have him back on for this month's theme, and we are going to be tackling a monster movie kind of sort of with, well, Santo, the man. But before we do that, Mark, we got a round of the Classic Five to play. You ready to do this? Let's do it. All right. So for listeners who don't know or you're just now joining us or forgot since last week, uh, Classic Five is a game that we play here on Monster Kid Radio. I've got a deck of cards here. They are a literal deck of cards. Each one of these cards has a this or that. Which movie do you prefer style question on them? All about classic monster movies. There are no wrong answers. Mark, are you ready to play? Let's do it. Oh my, okay. I didn't do this on purpose, but first card, first question. What's your, <laughs> what's your favorite mummy movie? <laughs> oh, good Lord. There are so many. Uh, and mummy is like, like as yourself is one of my favorite characters. Mm-hmm. Um, slow moving, you know, easy to get away from, but you're terrified. So, you know, um, you know, I got to go with, uh, I'm going to go with the hammer film, the mummy with Chris Lee. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, there's so many to choose from. I mean, you've got the Mummy Trilogy from uh, from Mexico, the Aztec Mummy Trilogy. Mm-hmm. Includes a lot of great, bad movies for sheer entertainment. I'm, yeah, I won't go with that one. The Hammer. The Mummy. Fear will freeze you when you face it. The Mummy. Torn from the darkest tomb of the pharaohs, it rises from the quiet dust of centuries to wreak a strange vengeance against mankind. The mummy. It tears steel bars like paper. It snaps men's spines like matchsticks. It walks through bullets like a ghost. The mummy. It sees without eyes, it lives without breath, yet its desires are strangely, madly human. The motion picture screen's most shocking experience in suspense. In chilling Technicolor, The Mummy. Uh, Card number two. What is your favorite non-Toho kaiju? Gorgo. No motion picture of our time has ever unleashed shocked spectacle of such scope and realism. As up from the depths of prehistoric mystery rages, Virgo. The 
the headlines of the world plays the fabulous story of this monster from another age, catapulted from some vast sub-ocean cavern by unprecedented volcanic action. And the headlines scream the story of the reckless skin divers who captured the monster and put it on exhibition. Sam! Pull out! Drop the net! What do you think you're doing? Okay, take it easy. I can't let him go back to the sea where he belongs. Why? Maybe to save your silly skins for you. Hurry, hurry, hurry to see Gorgo. But the headlines do not record the story of a little boy who had a curious sympathy and understanding for the fantastic creature. What strange secret does he know that scientists only suspect? Are you trying to say there may be a fully grown one of these things around somewhere? How big would a full grown one be? An approximate guess. The infant. The adult. That would make it nearly 200 feet tall. Wreaking terrible vengeance against the civilization that has captured its offspring. Towering over the cities of the world as millions flee its awesome terror. Prepare! Prepare still I just love the premise of it. It's shot really well. It looks good. You know, mama's coming to save baby. Make that the pull quote on the next release of it on, on Blu-ray or DVD. Mama's coming to save baby. Mama's coming to save baby. I'm coming, Mama. That's why you had me. <laughs> All right. Uh, card number three. Anyway, I'll give you a dollar for anybody who gets that reference. <laughs> card number three. What was the most recent Universal Monster movie that you've seen? I just watched Sven Gulli last Saturday, so I want to stay House of Dracula. Oh, nice. I am Count Dracula. You see before you a man who has lived for centuries, kept alive by the blood of innocent people. When the full moon rises, I turn into a werewolf with only one desire, to kill. I tried to perform the miracle of science and failed. My blood is contaminated with the blood of Dracula. Yeah, it was, it was fun. It's nice, you know, I love Sven. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. All right, card number four. In your mind, what's the most underrated classic monster movie? Oh, boy. I mean, they all have, have had their accolades of one form or another. I just think the one that, that kind of doesn't get the due it should is like The Invisible Man. It's such a great film. So well done. Claude Rains. <laughs> so over the top, and I love yes. it. I, yes, Claude Rains. <laughs> Sorry. For my, I'm doing that for my wife's benefit. <laughs> right on. All right. You're going to do my James Mason. It's the same thing. It's a little early for impressions for me over here. So. <laughs> well, uh, I'm only operating on about two cups right now. So. There you go. All right, final card, final question. What's your favorite Ray Harryhausen creation? Oh, wow. I mean, that's like asking me, like, you know, which of my dogs do I like better? I'm going to go with the Emir. Okay. In 20 million miles. It's such a great creation. Just so well made. Yeah. Let's go with the Emir. The Emir. Yeah. I can't say anything more about it. It's just so, you know, the performance speaks for itself. It's literally a performance. It really is. It's just like, I mean, the hunched shoulders, the way it moves, you know, it's early in, early in Ray's career. Yeah. 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 He really did imbue those creatures with personality and, and life in a way that very few have matched. 
Oh yeah, and the uh, I mean the elephant fight is outstanding. It's thrilling. I, I've never thought I'd root for an elephant before, but you know, hey, hey, there you go, there you go. Well, that was the classic five. I, I didn't think you and I would have a hard time coming up with something to talk about, so you know, didn't really. It wasn't really an icebreaker per se, but it does, you know, it's, it's fun to chat about this kind of stuff and just kind of have the, the classic five cards just make us start thinking about some of these other monster movies that maybe we haven't thought about. I haven't been thinking about The Invisible Man much lately, so oh, yeah. now I kind of want to go put it in the DVD or Blu-ray player when we're done. I think I'll probably do that, too. Such a great film. Such a great film. Uh, almost as good as this week's movie. Yeah? <laughs> no? Uh, maybe? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll just leave it at that. Sure. Okay. Okay. Let's put it this way. What you said, he's like, I'm the one that picked it. I'm the one to blame for this one. I'll, t- I'll take the bullet for it. You know, I don't know how fair that is, really. I, I actually had a fun time watching this goofy little movie. It's from 1971, and it's Santo and the Vengeance of the Mummy. Uh, I do have a goal of learning to at least pronounce Spanish correctly sometime this year. So uh, <laughs> maybe by next year's Luchida whatever i'll be able to pronounce it correctly <laughs> mayo <laughs> just remember it's the you hold hold the mayo just remember hold the mayo it's mayo yeah <laughs> so it's uh santo and the vengeance of the mummy it is uh, again directed by renee cardona and if i am doing my research correctly here this one santo actually had a production credit on didn't he you know i believe he did i don't know if that goes to say about old santo but uh maybe he was he was seeing uh how much Cash his his movies were making at this point, and he was like, "I, I, I want some of this, yeah, or, no. or I want some more of this." Right, Santo listeners, I can't imagine you wouldn't know who Santo is if you've tuned into this podcast this month. But he is this style of superhero on the screen, comic books, video games. He was a legend and, and an honest to goodness wrestler too. He wasn't just a movie star. I mean, he started as a wrestler and then transitioned to film and then back again. Uh, and as a masked wrestler, how more iconic can you get than just the silver mask? Oh, right. El Mascarado del Plata, the man in the silver mask. Now you're just showing off. I am not. <laughs> I, just, I do. I know very little Spanish and what I've learned is from watching these movies. As stupid as that sounds, I've got movies that are in Spanish that have no subtitles. And I'm just like, uh, how did they say that again? And rewind it, you know. So there you go. But yeah, no, Santa was the icon uh, out of Mexico, uh, adored by uh, the nation, you know, the world. Uh, in fact, uh, during the uh, wrestling match at the end, there's a lot of this film. There's a lot of talk about the champion of the multitudes, and that's not hyperbole. Everybody loved Santo. No, it was. Yeah, it was like I mean, outside of the country, out outside of Mexico, he's known worldwide. Like I said, how many movies did he do? I mean, at least 30, 40, 50. I mean, quite a few, quite a lot. And then, you know, when he wasn't technically in the film, he shows up in the last five minutes and saves the day, you know, and you know which one I'm talking about. Yeah. (laughs) Here, have a flame gun. I haven't been seen through the whole movie, but yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, and oh boy, that was, that was a sticking point with blue in him. Oh, I'm sure Blue, blue was ticked yeah so in the films we see santo and blue demon and milmascaras you know oftentimes teaming up with one another but in reality they they weren't really the closest of friends um, <laughs> no uh, they, not they, at all they were rivals that even continued until their children i mean blue demon jr and santo jr also were rivals oh yeah yeah uh, it's you know it was for a public face uh 
to make money in the movies. And it's like, I mean, Mill mascot is, is even when the three of them were there, Mill's just like, yeah, whatever. I don't care. I'm glad I'm on the film. And it's like, Blue Demon is like, well, I'll make sure you get my good side and don't show the guy in the silver mask. I wonder how much of that comes from how they started. Cause Mill was not originally like this big wrestling name when he started doing the films, he was more of a film guy that transitioned, didn't he? Uh, no, Mill actually was a, uh, an actual wrestler. Sure. And they, yeah. I mean, like he, he wasn't like Tinnenblas or a neutron that became, that was, was they made a film and then they, he transitioned into the ring and actually became a wrestler. Okay. So he was a known entity in the, in the Lucha world. So okay. it's like, it was just kind of a natural transition. He had a great look. He was young, you know, very stylish with his masks. Uh, I just <laughs> think, I just think it was one of those things where the writers, producer directors were like, Oh, let's get this guy in here. This, you know, this will work. Sure. You know? Sure. Of the three, I typically go with mill over the three big uh, luchadors of, of this, uh, sub He's my favorite um, part of it oh, because of the mask. Um, by far, by far. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a man of a million masks. Yep. That's yep. the name. That's right. But I also love my Santo and my Blue Demon quite a bit. And when you suggested this as a title to watch this time around, I was stoked. It's Santo. It's mummies. What could go wrong? I will find out. <laughs> okay. Well. <laughs> This is not the first time Santo faced off against a mummy. There was a rather sad-looking mummy in 1970s, Santo and the Blue Demon against the Monsters. <laughs> you mean John Carradine wrapped up in bandages? Yeah. The, the, you went over that last year. Yeah. That that mummy does leave a little to be desired. But this is an Aztec mummy. Oh, see. So big, big difference, big right? Big difference. Big difference. So, you know, it was written by our, our good old friend, Alfredo Salazar who was not a stranger to Aztec mummies. And Santo actually was kind of late to the mummy game. Uh, Salazar wrote the Aztec mummy trilogy in 57, I think it was filmed. You know, and then you've got Wrestling Women versus the Aztec Mummy, which is not considered part of the trilogy, but, you know. I love that movie, though. Oh, it's a great film. It's just so, so over the top. And for a lot of people, it's like, these are stupid. And I'm like, well, I'll agree with you, but they're so much fun. If you're smiling, having a good time watching the thing, then, you know, it's a win. And I know you're doing the, the, the plan nine podcast, but I'm like, well, plan Nine's so bad. And I'm like, but it's so good. Yeah. People are like slamming these bad moves. I was like, were you entertained? Yeah. Well then shut yeah. up. Then it's a win. Take man. your head off for two hours and enjoy a movie. You know, exactly. And besides, if you want to watch a bad movie, just check out fun in balloon land. Um, well, there you go. Oh, exactly. <laughs> oh, good Lord. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah. We'll yeah that. I'm sorry. I even brought it up. <laughs> Every time I speak its name, I feel like I yeah. give it power and I really don't mean to do that. So. Yeah, you know, he just sent a shutter down my back. So, so. <laughs> hey, it, it was a mutual friend that made that movie uh, part of my uh, repertoire. I mean, it was Jeff Martin over the Joy Cinema that introduced me to that gem. So, <laughs> oh, good, oh, good lord, Jeff has introduced me to a lot of weird crap over yeah, the years. I think he's played it, and me, and and it goes both, both ways too. It's like, hey, Jeff, you seen this one? <laughs> that's so. the best kind of friend, though, right? To have, of a, course. that's why you and I get along. I love these films. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> so this is a mummy movie. He was a little late to the mummy game, and there would be more mummies down the line. But I think the next film that he did was uh, The Mummies of Guanajuato, wasn't it? Um, I think The Mummies of Guanajuato was a year before. Okay. I'm looking over the uh, always accurate IMDb. 
Uh, let's not go there. Yeah, no kidding, right? Well, see, I'm looking in the Mexican mask wrestler and monster filmography that is like my Bible. Which is probably a lot more accurate than the Internet Movie Database I've learned over the years when it comes to these types of movies. Right. They they have Santo uh, and the Vengeance of the Mummy is 1970, which actually it is 71. Mm-hmm. And uh, The Mummies of Guadalajara is 1970, which is also 71. So, yes. He, that did come after. Okay. But it's a totally different type of mummy. Oh, sure. And the mummies of Guadalajara actually still, you know, a tourist attraction in Guadalajara today. Yeah. I would love to visit myself. Uh, I've never been to Mexico. I would love to visit yeah, that area. But then yeah. I'd be the the ugly American who gets thrown out of the country because he won't take off his luchador mask. So. <laughs> you know, actually, that might help you. <laughs> You think so? Because you because you you have a very large stature, and if you wear the right mask, people will flock to you. Oh, hey, there you, you go. Are. Yes, yes. As long as they don't try to put me in a wrestling ring, I'll be okay. <laughs> oh, they, you, know, you know, hey, it worked for Jack Black. Oh, ho, ho, ho. oh did I say that? Wow. Okay. Um, back on track. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, Rene Cardona, we've heard his name mentioned quite a few times here on the show whenever we visit a movie like this. Uh, he did oh. a lot of genre <laughs> films down in Mexico, as well as a handful of other things. I mean, he wasn't just a genre guy, but. That's kind of what he's known for, though. Yeah. You know, reaching back it from uh, we did uh, Treasure of Dracula last year and he directed that. Mm-hmm. He also did uh, this one gives me this is on par with Balloon Land, but uh, Santa Claus, the Mexican Santa Claus. Yes, he directed, he directed that. I don't think I could watch that straight. I have to watch it MST3K'd. We talked about it here on the show a few years ago. Uh, Scott Morris introduced me to that. And for Christmas one year, we covered that on the show. And it's it's fun. I'll give it that. Oh, no, it's it's totally fun. But, I mean, yeah, like, it's know, the devil and Santa Claus. Yeah, and, huh? and Merlin shows up at one point, and yeah. oof, it's all over the yeah. place. Now, Cardona was also capable of making more uh, exploitation-like films. I mean, Night of the Bloody Apes is one that he was involved with, and that one's pretty rough. Alfredo Salazar and uh, Rene Cardona, their careers ran hand-in-hand. Hand. Mm-hmm. You're talking Dracula's Treasures, Alfredo Salazar wrote... Uh, Wrestling Women versus the Aztec Mummy, the Assassin, Face of the Screaming Werewolf. You know, he was the producer on Night of the Bloody Apes. Mm-hmm. And actually, this is funny, too, is Alfredo Salazar is the brother of Abel Salazar. You know who that is? I have not had a cup of my coffee yet. So, um, okay. yeah. <laughs> take, take a gulp. And he was the star of Brainiac. Mm. Baron Del Toro. That's right. Yes, Abel Salazar. So he was he was the, the Baron in Brainiac. Right on. Mexican cinema during the 50s, 60s, and 70s is very incestuous. You know, everybody you know, is like, oh, I know a guy. And I'm sure there wasn't a lot of guys. There wasn't a lot of people doing Mexican film back then. So it was just one of those things, I guess, you just used what you had. You know, so, oh, well, the Frito sells. Are you, got a, you got another mummy movie? Oh, yeah, I'll write something up. I'll have it for you next week. <laughs> yeah, give me the weekend and uh, I'll get back to you. Which, Pretty much. you know, it, that's kind of how genre cinema kind of works sometimes. You know, you don't have a well, lot yeah, of money I mean, and, like, hey. Look at Ed Wood. I mean, he had, like, he had his cadre of followers and, mm-hmm. and, you know, Chriswell and the sort. Well, and even somebody like Paul Nashy. I mean, oh, yeah. hey, we got some money and we need to make a, a monster movie. Uh, Paul Nashy, uh, why don't you write something? And you get Horror Rises from the Tomb. So that kind of happens. Right. 
and I love it. I love that you can have these troops of, or these groups of filmmakers, performers, actors, writers, directors, cinematographers, whatever, that seem to kind of stick together and make some of these movies sometimes. The Roger Corman group. Oh, yeah, know, All the people that he yeah. assembled around him. I love it. And you start to see that in the personality of these movies that we're talking about now. These Luchador Monster movies, they have, I won't say a formula, but they, they have a rhythm. There's usually at least two wrestling matches. <laughs> if there's only two actual wrestling matches, it's going to be at the beginning and the end of the film. If there's more, you're you're lucky. It's a bonus. Uh, this movie has the two wrestling matches, one at the beginning and one at the end. You have the bonus match in the middle. We, we do have a bonus in the middle. <laughs> but an actual match, yeah. What's that? Well, yes, yeah, so, you know, it was, it, that would be considered a street fight, I guess. You know, because, <laughs> you, know, you know, there was uh, foreign objects being used. But, uh, yeah, but we'll, we'll get to that when we start talking about the oh, film. Oh, boy. Yeah, well, well, let's talk about the film. Yeah, let's go into Let's dive in. Let's dive in. So, uh, it's 1971. We have Santo. He's just turned 50 or so. He? I think so. I think that's his age. I, I didn't do the math and look that up, so I know he passed away in the 80s, so mm-hmm. that sounds about right. So, we have the opening match, because we have to have an opening match, to establish who Santo is for the two people in the Mexican audience who don't know who Santo is at this point. Uh, we have to have the, the match. And, you know, we talked about this before, too, and I've talked about it with other people. I love that this happens with so many of these movies because sometimes this is the only way you can actually see some of these classic wrestling matches. The WWE Network isn't going to have, you know, a whole section devoted to Blue Demon, you know. But if you go back and you watch some of these movies, you might get lucky and actually stumble across an actual classic match that they've repurposed for the film. Right. You know, that was kind of the whole point, too, because Lucha Libre was was a nation. It's like, you know, the national sport aside from soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like a lot of people couldn't get to the matches. So that one way that they would bring that to the masses was putting it in the films. So people could go and like, you know, if you live in a little small town in Mexico and you like, you know, have to travel to go see a, see matches, whatever, it's like you could go to your theater and, and watch a you know a match sure people you know so and that was the magic of the lucha libre film it was kind of a, a double-edged sword you know you have the lucha libre for people enjoying that and then you get a nice story monster movie well after the match santo is kind of sort of invited to a <laughs> an expedition that was a very weird transition uh that i did or the film did <laughs> i want to i want to mention it's like the one of the the Italian tag team members okay. has the best name ever. Gory Casanova. Gory Casanova. Gory. But see, the funny thing is, is I watched the Rise Above version. Okay. Uh, which was, it's it's subtitled. And the very, it's Gory, G-O-R-I, which is like a very Eastern European spelling. The first once or twice that they put the name that the announcer said, they spelled it G-O-R-Y. Oh. Which I'm like, oh man, that would have been such a better name. Yeah. You know, if you spelled it that way, Gory Casanova. God, I love that name. Yes. Isn't that awesome? Oh. I want to I, I be called that from now on. Gory Casanova. That's awesome. And now I'm going to be obsessed with this guy. Uh, the Internet Movie Database only has one other movie credit yep. for him. Yep. Uh, 
in the movie Sex Monster from 1963. Yes, yes. And I believe, I, I want to say that was also uh, a, either a Cordona or a Salazar. Well, it's, it's Doctor yeah. of Doom is how we know it here. And that is Cardona and Salazar. Let yeah. go of both of them then, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they both were involved with that, which is also a fun Oh yeah, little movie too. Well, all of these are fun. Are you talking about Derek? Come on, that's true. I don't, hear. you know, don't sell these short. I don't have to convince anybody. These are all a blast. Oh yeah, no. I could sit down and watch three or four of these in a row and not feel like I've lost time. Well, maybe. Oh, yeah. but, well, <laughs> uh, so so Gory Casanova. God, I love that name. I want to use that in something. Now. Oh, I know. Yeah. Well, it's like it brings to mind though um, from Mystery Men, Casanova Frankenstein. Yeah. But, you know, we'll, I digress. My, my That's the way my mind works. Oh, yeah, let's, uh, you know, it's like seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. You know, it's like uh, Gory Casanova, Casanova Frankenstein, Casanova the Lover. Uh, where was I going with all this? Uh, I think we were talking about uh, Santo being invited onto some sort of trip to go look for a mummy. Yeah, so they put this group together <laughs> for this expedition. They found... <laughs> Quite a group, I might And think. it's a huge group. I mean, yes. we, we go a good 10, 15 minutes and they're still adding people to the, hey, we're going to have to have this tour guide and this group of people that's going to help doing us down. And, hey, there's a treasure, aren't you? You want to come along too? And it's just really this <laughs> big group of folks that they're going to bring. Fortunately, as the movie continues, they start falling off. But, wow. But, you know, okay, now I want to bring up, as I do with these films, I will cut them apart for fun and comedic purposes. Okay. I love these films. Like, don't get me wrong. I was like, I'm not cutting these down. But some of the choices that I'm like, okay, uh, was it Professor Romero? He goes, oh, I've got this information that that uh, we found uh, an ancient mummy tomb, and and we're gonna go explore it and find out where it is and stuff like that. But then when they go to the small village, and the, the best part of love about this is like. There's the Jeep that's just, okay, we can't go any farther. The next scene that shows them walking into a town with a very nice paved road. Sure. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, you couldn't go any farther because you couldn't find the road or what? <laughs> and then when they're talking to the old man, the grandpa, who is going to be their guide, he seems to know all about where the tomb is. And everybody in the town seems to know about the tomb. Except for the professor who just found out this information that's going there to find out more about it. Yeah. So, you know, so I mean, it's it's one of those, you know, it's it's just one of those plot points that it's like, this wasn't very well written. Yeah, I think when it comes to the scripts for these things, sometimes I, I have to tell myself there has to be something lost in translation, right? Oh, probably. That's really got to be what it is. That's what I'm hoping more for. More than likely, but it's also, you know, it's, it's Salazar didn't stray very far from a formula yeah. in pretty much all of his films. I mean, it's like you can pretty much A, B, C, D, you can count it all down and it's brilliant. It's pretty straightforward. Oh, yeah. And I know earlier I said I didn't want to use the word formula, but, you know, that's really what it is. I don't want people to think that this is a bad thing when I say they have a formula. They, they really do. You know what you're going to get with these things. And sometimes that's great. That's just fine. And you do get that with this. You mentioned Professor Romero. Uh, the actor's name is Cesar Del Campo, and he did a handful of other genre films, a handful of other Santo films. Oh, yeah. No, so he he, was very... he's, he's part of the crew. You know, he's part of the group. Right. Yeah, he was. Yeah, definitely. A lot of them during the late 60s, early 70s. Definitely a little mini industry of. Oh, you know, but, you know, the nice thing is that, like all these guys, I mean, they work. It seems to be like that the wrestlers are the ones that only have like one or two 
film credits, but then you go to the, the actors and it's like the Del Campo did a ton of films. Sure. And if you, I mean like before and after, I mean, he was a, he was a pretty prolific actor and a lot of the guys that were quote unquote actors had long storied careers. Well, you mentioned the, the Jeep getting stuck and I think this is the first, might've been the first or the second time this happened in the film. It's the first time I really kind of noticed it and acknowledged it. A lot of the scene transitions in this film, you get that music as we rack the camera from one side of the screen to the other and right. transition. There's our segue. There's our wipe, I guess. I get to keep yeah. from scene to scene. Time has elapsed and now the Jeep is stuck. And that happens a couple of times through this film. Every time we want to just kind of fast forward a little bit and get to the next part of the film, that's what happens. And That's standard. Yeah. I mean, that's standard in, in Mexican cinema. Yeah. So it would um, it preclude any type of post-production, you know, doing a wipe or, you know, having to do any type of uh, effect on the film after the fact. Mm-hmm. I think that was probably just more of a time-saving uh, effort oh, than anything. I'm sure. I'm sure. I just I noticed yeah. it more in this one than I have in other films, and I don't know if it's because of the uh, music stinger they insisted on using. Boing. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it's effective. You know, it's, it works. Yeah, so. it, it works in the context of the film, and that's all we can ask for. There's another professor character I want to talk about real quick. <laughs> oh yes, <sighs> yes, shall we, Professor Jimenez? Man's an idiot. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. But you know you have to have a comic relief. You really do, and that's that's also also I hate to say it. That's also part of the formula. It, it really is. Professor Jimenez confused a roadrunner with a coconut. Okay, let's just say. <laughs> My favorite is when he's still sitting in the jeep and everybody else has moved on, and Santos standing there, and he's like, "Look what I've discovered!" And he's like, "What is it, Professor?" And he goes, "I don't know, but it's in my garden back home." <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, he was, I, I have to say, he was um, he was a very annoying man. He really is. But again, it's that comic relief character, right? Exactly. It's the brilliant man that, that's going to decipher the code on the mummy's hieroglyphs uh, when you get there. Yeah. But don't expect him to be able to tie his own shoes. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Th- this guy is just kind of oblivious. And he does blame it on his new glasses that are made out of plastic instead of glass. But Okay. <laughs> Um, I, I feel his pain, actually. <laughs> Do you know? See, I, oh, I've yeah. got plastic yeah. lenses, and I've never confused an onion with a jicama. Well, that is true. <laughs> but, of course, then he didn't have his prescription. This is true. Maybe that's the yes. issue, right? He just need to get his prescription changed. No, I have I have some confusing information about – it was Carlos Encira okay. who played Professor Jimenez. But doing uh, an IMDb search, they had him playing the mad doctor in Santo and the Blue Demon Meet the Monsters, which is totally wrong. I don't think that's correct. Yeah. That is not correct. Oh, somebody on IMDb is uh, putting in the wrong information. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> right. You mean something on the internet is wrong? Yeah. It's like I'm, I should check wiki links. <laughs> I'll admit it. I did a little research. I don't just sit down and talk about this stuff. He didn't really have a lot of other... Credits. There was a couple other genre credits, and that was about it, right? Depending on who this guy is, yeah, because the internet, again, and we have to rely on things like the internet and a couple of books like the one Mark mentioned earlier when we talk about these movies because they aren't as well known here, so we have to kind of rely on what we can find. And this just doesn't seem right because Carlos and Sierra's got a huge credit list right? Uh, from the 50s up through the 70s and or even the 80s. I don't think it's that guy. I think I, it's... Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is mislabeled. So, so it has to be. So, put the, throw throw that out there. 
<laughs> uh, so we have him. We have a couple of women along for the ride as well. Who I guess have to one has to be a love interest, kind of. Uh Susanna. Yeah. Mary Montiel. I believe that's how you pronounce her last name. Montiel. Montiel. Sure. Um, she she was very active in a lot of Santo films, especially in the late sixties, early seventies. So she was not an unknown face in Mexico. And I say love interest, it's not salacious at all. These movies, when it comes to the girlfriend characters uh, or, or just the women who are interested, it's pretty chaste for the most part. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that a lot of that has to do with the Catholic background of Mexico. Yeah. And Santo himself was very um, proper. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked about that last year with uh, Treasure of Dracula, where he didn't know about or wanted wanted no part with the nude scenes and that's why i brought that up too is because right. last year when we did talk about that we did have some topless women running around but that was more the anomaly that was not typically what you saw i've gotten some confusing information over the last year that um and i'm i'm, I'm digressing again that's but all right. treasure of dracula there was actually a scene with santo in bed uh, with a topless woman, and I don't remember seeing that cut. Oh, I don't remember seeing that either. I don't either, and that was actually, I got that information off of, um, you know who the bone jangler is? I do. Um, he mentioned, host. Yeah, he mentioned something about, uh, there's, there's a cut of the film that shows Santo in bed with his main girlfriend that he sends back in time, but was it Santo, or was it a guy in a mask? Yeah, that's the thing. You don't, you don't know, and, and it's like knowing what Santo... And his, you know, strong, devout family beliefs, I have a hard time believing it was Santa. Yeah. But anyway, I, like I said, I digress. It's, it's kind of hard to say. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's not unprecedented. I mean, in the 70s, somebody else put on no. a silver mask and said he was Santo in India. Uh, or, excuse me, Turkey. Turkey. Oh, oh, yes. me, Turkey. And that is... That is mighty... My, I'm going to side, side note on that one. That is a mighty enjoyable film. <laughs> and it is... It is available on Amazon Prime, so you can watch it there. But I can't remember how it's listed. It's not listed as three Devadam. I think it's three strong men or something. It's something like that. I found it through that, like that way. It is not an official Santo film at all. No, 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 no. no. It's just like it's not an official Spider-Man film. It's not an official Captain America film. (laughs) Uh, And then who's the? I'm trying to remember who the third guy is. I, I, yeah. It was. uh, Anyway. So, yeah, but yeah, no. Yeah. So there's another digression. So, hey, I might as well just bring up Ship of Monsters now. I, well, you know, it's out of the blue. Hey, you know, watch that one. Hey, too. Ship of Monsters is fun. It's awesome. That, that one is just such a wonderful mix of everything cool <laughs> about Mexican genre cinema at the time. Okay, and it was early, too. Yep. So that was, you know, it was the precursor to what we have now. <laughs> Monsters, singing cowboys. Come on. Uh, giant robots. Yes. And beautiful women. Yep. Yep. So, Good stuff. Yeah, I just, yeah, sorry, I had to bring that up. So no. let's get back to, let's, yeah. get, let's get back on the main road and talk about this movie. <laughs> on the main road that the Jeep yeah. can't travel on anymore. They do, exactly. You know, it's stuck in the, you know, and they don't seem too concerned about leaving the Jeep. But no. Yeah. Yeah. You know, of course, it didn't look like a very nice Jeep anyway. Uh, but, you de- know. Details. So, details. Anyway, so you have Susanna as the main love interest. And then Rosa Bermudez, who basically is the secretary. She's literally introduced as the secretary. So I think she says something at one point. She's like, I'm here to take notes or something like that. Okay. Yeah, not very progressive uh, <laughs> when it comes no, to some of this stuff. But, no, you, know, but, you know, we're talking late 
60s, early 70s. It's it of the time. Unfortunately, but that's, you know, that was, you know, that was her introduction. Then you had uh, uh, Sergio Morales, mm-hmm. who was like the main engineer. Remember the name Sergio. Yes, that will come up later. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, a little side note: yeah. Eric Del Castillo, uh-huh. who played Sergio, was very, very uh, active in telenovelas later in his career. Oh wow! Okay, I was kind of surprised because, like, I mean, he went up. I I want to say all the way into the '90s, maybe even 2000s. It was all made-for-TV telenovelas. Wow! But he has a great Empire of Dracula. I don't think I have ever seen. I have to chase down now. He plays a character named Baron Draculstein. Baron Draculstein. Yes. It is awesome name. I have to like basically hunt down the film just to see that. Yeah. I wonder um, the only thing that would make that title better is if it stars Gory Casanova. I mean, that's, that sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. I don't you know. Unfortunately, he's Yeah. That'd be awesome. I was like, you know, but Baron Draculstein. Huh. Empire of Dracula. I will have to do some searches for that. The Internet Movie Database, again, the ever-reliable uh, arbiter, of, arbiter of information here on the Internet. <laughs> Avatar? Yeah, something like that. Uh, says the storyline of The Evil of Dracula is that a group of beautiful female vampires lure men to their estate so they can feed on their blood. I'm in. Yeah, so you can stop right there. Yeah, I'm good. That's Enough it. said. Yep. Granted, you had me at Dracolstein, but still, yeah. I mean. <laughs> Which leads me to believe, does he have a flat top? Oh, 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 sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll find out when we track this movie down. It came out in 1967, uh, which puts it solidly in the Monsecure Radio time frame that we like to use. Tell you what, if you and I can track this one down, you and I will talk about it on the show. That sounds awesome. We'll just commit to it sight unseen. Let's put it this way. If it's got luchas, we'll, I know what I'm doing next year. <laughs> there you go. Hey. Oh, man. All right. So where now where where were we? Oh yeah, Sergio. Sergio, yeah. Don't forget that name. No, not at all. The grandfather character in the village that they want to have take them to the tomb that everybody knows about apparently. Mhm. This character confused me. How so? Well, why, why are they dragging an old man through the the jungle or There's what? a little bit of that. There's a little <laughs> bit of this is my grandson, and I care about him more than anything. I'm going to take him with us. Okay, exactly. And there, there's that. There's the, I know where we're going is dangerous, and we're all going to die, but okay, <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Uh, later in the movie, I know if I translate this for everybody, it's going to tell everybody how we're going to die. Oh, let's translate it and read it out loud for everybody. Uh, it's just a lot of, just like he seems resigned to his fate as victim through this whole thing. It just really confused me <laughs> the approach, the motivations here. I don't get. He was, yeah, he was a very dour man. Yeah. Just, you know, he was, um, not the most excited man. Of course he was old. Sure. You know? So it's like, and then, you know, trekking off through the, the jungle. Um, the, the, uh, I think I'm trying to remember how it was phrased. The impenetrable jungle, overgrown impenetrable jungle, and then the next thing you see them just walking nonchalantly through waist high <laughs> brush, occasionally taking a machete and pushing something out of the way. That's one of my favorite images in this film, though. The image of Santo with a machete. I don't know why, but there's just something cool about seeing Santo using a machete. <laughs> Oh man, and then that that white shirt that he that like oh, nice, man. nice dress shirt, and he's got the silver Santo belt on. Yes, I love that. And then he's and he's re- wearing his wrestling tights and boots. <laughs> because why wouldn't you? Oh, you 
take all the time, <laughs> all day long. If I was Santo, that's how, if I was built like Santo, I would totally do that. Why not? Oh yeah. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. My favorite part was like they come up to a bush and hear the director like, Santo, cut something. And he like swats at the bush and just they just keep walking. You know, it's like no need for that whatsoever. Yeah, they keep walking. It's so unnecessary that they don't even stop to hold it away from the women as they walk by. You know, they just kind of leave them to deal with it on their own. And there's really not much to deal with. But And then the tree hitting them all in the face, the, the horse riders. <laughs> All the people that are riding the horses, including Professor Jimenez. Yeah. There was like a weeping willow or something like that. And they were having to brush the branches out of their faces and they just keep going. So, <laughs> and then there's then there's the ill-fated fight with the Black Panther. OK, I I did not. Hmm. I was a little put off by that. And my wife was, too. She was like, she goes, I don't know if I like that. And I'm like, honey, it was the early 70s. These things happen. They didn't kill it. But just the fact that the way it was uh, – Santa was actually fighting a real Black Panther. Um, it was probably an elderly Black Panther that had been trained. Right. And he was basically grabbing it on the side of the head and throttling it and basically picked it up, threw it away at one point, mm -hmm. which the cat was probably like, thank God I'm done, you know, because he wouldn't have been attacking him otherwise. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he hits the ground and just takes off. Yeah, that was pretty much a, a real downer for me, being the animal lover that I am. Right. I mean, that, that's the hard part of watching some of these movies for me, too, is when they use a real animal for something like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I fortunately, like you said, they didn't kill the animal on screen, and it did run off, and, you know, it was able to do so under its own right. you know, yeah, motivation. It was so, so it was good to see that, but... Yeah, I didn't need to see the image of Santo holding up the cat by its neck. I just didn't need to see that. No, no. It would have been awesome if they would have had like a midget in a in a panther, <laughs> a panther costume, which I'm like, I was hoping for. Yeah. See, we'd be okay with them holding up a mini, oh, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, mini wrestler, which he's, they're used to it, man. It's like they could take the abuse. Oh, man, they really do. Yeah, those little guys, man. It's, that's mm. That's a rough life. Oh, that's a total rough life. I won't I won't even get started on that. Yeah, but moving on, moving on, moving yes. on. We finally get to the tomb and camp is set up by a nice little stagnant looking stream. Sure. Did, what, did you notice that <laughs> uh, it was like it was obviously a set built in indoors. Mm -hmm. It was like I, I think they were trying to it was like a, a body of water that didn't look very healthy. It didn't look like somewhere I'd want to be. You know, no. It didn't look like it'd be very um, pleasing to be around. Uh, probably, no. pretty, you know, probably stank. Or, you know, and then if you were actually in the outdoors, it would probably be mosquito ridden. Oh, yeah. So not the best place to be setting up your camp. But, no. you know, suspension of disbelief. Hey, you know, we're buying that this guy in our luchador mask is ahead of security, I guess. Ahead so. of security, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> then they go into uh, the tomb. Huh. <sighs> Yeah. You know, okay, so when we say tomb, at least when when I think about a monster movie and there's a tomb they have to go into, I'm thinking cobwebs, dust, tight corners, you know, that sort of thing. Seal. Yeah. This thing is so well lit and so easy to get into. It's a cave. Yeah. It's well lit because they've set up lights inside, which was very elaborate. Mm-hmm. You sure. know, the, the, we know they got the fuse box, which came into play a few times. <laughs> Really? Who who hiked all this in? <laughs> I want my like tomb wired for lights and exactly. uh, yeah. 
but there is a mummy here. There is the the corpse, the the body of Chief Nanok. Is that what they Nanok. call him? Yeah, Nanok and his bow and arrow, bows and arrows. <laughs> Oh, man. There wasn't much else in there. No. Um, there was like maybe a couple of statues. And he had, um, instead of the Aztec mummy's breastplate, he had um, a necklace. A necklace that we really don't get to see very well. Not shown hardly at all, except for in people's hands. Right. There's so much talk about, you know, we have to get this treasure to a museum and all this treasure, treasure, treasure. There's nothing here. There was the chest mm-hmm. that had apparently had the jewels in it. And the whole backstory on why this guy was laid, like basically sealed up and killed, that's what they did is the good old mummy story. Man loves woman. Woman needs to be sacrificed. Man steals woman and they run away and they get caught. Yeah. You know, his punishment was we're going to seal you up alive in this tomb. But why would they put jewels and stuff in there with him if he had broken the law? Yeah, there seems to be some continuity issues here with the story because he's he's laying there mummified, but when we Correct. see the flashback, there was no real mummification. They just pretty much locked him up in a room. Yeah, they sealed him up in the cave and basically, here you go, when you run out of air, you're dead. Yeah. So, you know, so you know, the mummy's laid out in, you know, full ceremonial dress. <laughs> um, if you want to call it that, it's basically sure. looks like a brown burlap. You know, I, I love that. I love the DIY look of some of these monsters. Oh, these things. I absolutely. I respond to it so well. I Makes love me it. I think I can do it. Hey, there you go. See, maybe yeah. that's part of it. Maybe that's part of it for me. Yeah, that's probably. You know, they talk about all this treasure. There's really nothing here, but there are a handful of scrolls that they manhandle like no, like nothing. Oh, basically, yeah. These, you, mean the, you mean the posters that they rolled up? <laughs> uh, and, you know, somebody who's getting into doing sound for movies now. I really noticed that they were really excited about the sound those scrolls made as they were moving them around. It's just very over the top, the paper sounds moving. The, yeah, the yeah. paper rustling. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Which just makes it feel like they're messing them up even worse than they already. But the fact that they didn't, A, look very old. No. And B, they should have been so decrepit and falling apart that they shouldn't have been really touched by human hands. Right. You know, but yeah. no, they're picking them up and just carrying them back to the camp for yeah. you know translation. No, no, but this is deal. where this is where Grandpa comes in into play. Yeah, who's already given us a dire warning about what's going on here, and like I said earlier, we're all gonna die, but I'll take you along and we'll show it. We'll see it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and I'll bring my gra- I'm gonna bring my grandson. Hey, can we talk about the grandson real quick? Because we can. Yeah. I- Agapito! I've already mentioned him once because he's the son of Santo. He is. He's the actual son of Santo. Yep. And he's the one that is wrestling under the, the mask today. Is he still active today? I know Blue Demons is, and he's getting way up there. He's got a big match with uh, Dr. Wagner coming up. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'd love to see that. mask hair match at uh, Triple Mania in August. Oh, man. I'd love to see that. Oh, me too. Um, I'm a big Dr. Wagner fan. Oh, he's great. Bien, bien, bien. <laughs> He's already had his mask removed, though, hasn't he? Yeah, he lost it to uh, Triple Mania two years ago to Psycho Clown. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, but they offered him a boatload of money to lose that mask, man. Well, after a while, I mean, it kind of refreshes the character, too, right? It does, because he's calling himself Ray Wagner now, King Wagner. And his son is actually wrestling now under Iho de Wagner. Okay. So I mean, it turned out well. He's he's getting a lot of good main matches from AAA, but I'm digressing again. You know, I don't get to talk about AAA or any of that with people on the regular. So 
Thank you oh, for bringing man, that to I, me. I, Thank you. I, <laughs> I die. I, you know, when I can see a match, like, uh, I want to say Twitch had some stuff going live, um, like the big deal Mexican wrestling matches. Twitch had them for free for oh, a while. Oh, wow. And I think you actually can subscribe to the AAA Twitch channel and get those and watch them. But the problem is, is the feeds out of Mexico are awful. Hmm. I wasn't paying for it, so I wasn't mad. We were watching watching one and like the lights go out in half the stadium. Well, wow. I mean, wow. like just like just and the ring ring lights went out and half the arena lights went out and everybody brought their phones out and turned them on and it like lit up the whole ring and the, the, the match just kept going. It was like a regular occurrence. <laughs> you know, that just kind of adds the charm, though, doesn't it? Oh, totally. It, it really totally. I was just like, you know, I was like, I'm like, and I didn't turn it off. I was highly entertained. Yeah. yeah. So. But uh, yes, uh, Agapito. Man, we are digressing quite a bit. I hope we have. Yes. A, <laughs> I could geek out on wrestling for a long, long time. Um, We're gonna have a four-hour podcast episode. Yeah, oh People boy, are tune out at about an hour. Are they so. still talking about wrestling? Oh, I gotta fast forward. Fast forward. <laughs> now I love this stuff. And anyway, this oh, is yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's Santos Kid. <laughs> it is. It is Santos Kid. Yeah, uh, with a really bad bowl cut. Oh man. Good lord. <laughs> that was something. Yeah. That was, was mm. <laughs> sandpaper esque. You know, to be to be honest though, that feels like the kind of haircut a grandfather would give his grandkid. It does. You know, so so I'll yeah. give him that. Yeah. I'll give him that. But yeah, that that's us. I was surprised to find out that that was actually Santos real child in the well, film was, yeah it was funny too because it's like i was like I'm like, why does this kid seem so familiar because i hadn't researched done you know i watched the film before but i hadn't researched it and i was actually going oh wow that was el hijo santo so very cool or nino jorgito i believe is see now i'm showing off again and i'm probably butchering it somebody's cringing somewhere and i'm gonna get hate mail ah Send your email to, to Mark at Dr. Tongue. No. <laughs> Didn't he do a movie or two as well? Wearing the mask at some point? Uh, yeah. Actually, I thought he, he did. Was, yeah. um, he was like, uh, like, like a, when he got into his tweens, early teens, he was in a, in a film with Santo as a baby Santo. Yeah. His acting isn't really, I mean, he's a kid actor. And he comes from a wrestling family, so the acting probably isn't going to be as solid as as others. Um, and the way the scenes are put together when the grandfather does die eventually, the kid seems really upset by it, but then not upset by it. But now we're going to go off to another cave and cry about it, and then he's not upset by it anymore. Just kind of back and forth, back and forth. There. Well, you know, they probably got him fairly cheap. True. Well, well you know. <laughs> that's, probably, that's probably why Santo got the producer credit. <laughs> he produced the child. Hey, you know, he got to hang out with his dad. Yep, you know? There you go. Yeah. There you go. You know, it's like a, it's a little, yeah, a little working vacation. Oh, yeah. I do think it's sweet the way Santo's like, okay, I will take care of you as my son now. Knowing that it's really his kid, obviously there's a chemistry there, a bond there that... You know, it's kind of sweet to see in the film, too. Very touching, you know. Yeah. So just a, another, a different side to Santo that you don't normally see. I think we've seen Blue Demon do something like that. With Didn't he, like, take in an adopted kid? At, well, I mean, in real life he did. But I thought in another movie he did that, too. Well, anyway, speaking of the grandfather who does get killed, he does die because... The mummy, yeah. The mummy broke down the side of the shack that they had erected. Because they did, they apparently didn't have enough tents, so he erected a stick shack. Sure. In the middle of nowhere, 
uh, with a fire inside, made of wood. Go figure that out. Hey. Um, and the, <laughs> the mummy breaks down one wall of the shack and, and breaks the neck of the grandpa. Yeah. Right in front of Agapito. That's brutal. It, it is, man. That's like, you know, that that's horror films, man. Mm-hmm. And it is, there's no doubt it's the mummy. Of course it is. Yeah, of course. Absolutely no doubt whatsoever. It's clearly the mummy. The curse is coming to fruition. Sure. So um, at this point, <laughs> at, at this point, everybody's got the, the quote unquote treasure, except for they left them. Well, didn't they say they were going to leave the mummy and come back for it? Yeah. You know, but they were going to take the, the, the jewels and the, and the scrolls and the necklace. And the necklace is basically what brings the mummy alive. That's what the uh, scroll said. And that's very much going back to, you know, Salazar's Aztec mummy. There was a breastplate. It wasn't the fact that they desecrated his love's tomb. It was the fact that they took his breastplate away. So they took the necklace away from Nanak. And that's what brings him to life because, you know, that's what mummies do. I love the mummy thing though i mean the, oh. the trope the these oh. people went in they did something they shouldn't have done and then they are picked off one by one. Oh yeah uh, I, i've said it before and i'm not the person who came up with this it's somebody on one of the hammer film documentaries that i've seen over the years talking about how the mummy films are all proto slasher movies that you know really somebody makes a mistake somewhere and uh, the mummies just start picking them off you know it's the mummy's curse and it works it's a, it's oh, a yeah. wonderful story element that works really well yep has for decades yep and we'll continue to do so well as long as tom cruise isn't involved yeah well you know well, i'm not going there yeah we, mm-hmm. well just apparently neither is universal anymore so Yay! you know there's that <laughs> there, in the immortal words of monty python there was much rejoicing <laughs> oh man yeah so the mummy's going around knocking them off one by one nobody thinks to leave Right away. No. They rush back to the tomb, the the cave. I'm going to call it the tomb. They rush back to the cave, and of course, the mummy's not there. I can't believe this. This, is, this isn't happening. This isn't scientifically a fact. Mummies can't do that, you know. The curse said so. I love that Santo is very, well, this is, and all of them are. It's just a, a mummy. It's not real. It's not getting around killing anybody. Santo, how many movies have you done up to this point where there are real monsters? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I mean, come on, man. We've seen your other films. Dude, you torched a whole basement full of vampire women. Come on. <laughs> yeah, this is a far cry from the guy who's got the flamethrower pistol. Yeah, exactly. That we're going to see later. For, and he forgot that on this, apparently. So Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a rifle, though. Oh, he does. And he carries it around all the time. But I don't. Did he ever shoot it? I don't think so. At some point, yeah, I, I expected him to use it. I think like towards the end when there are very few of them people around after they've either, he's either scared off or killed uh, a number of people, he takes a few shots at him, but that's about it. Yeah. He ain't a dead eye, I'll tell you that. No. There's a reason why he's a wrestler. He's anyway. a wrestler, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so Grandpa's dead. You know, Agapito says basically the mummy killed him. Nobody believes the kid. And then we kind of go into this just kind of a weird area. The mummy does break a few necks. Right. As we go. And then eventually he goes to the bone arrow. And that's where I was kind of wanting to go there is that I, I've never seen a mummy use a weapon like that. Wow. And very accurately, I might very, add. Is somebody riding away on horseback? There, let's just take him out with the bone arrow. No problem. Okay. That is after the fact of, um, of the main melee between all of the, the hired hands and Santo. 
<laughs> which that that it was that was put in as the middle wrestling match because it's not like they can carry a wrestling ring with them in the middle of nowhere and set it up and oh all of a sudden a masked wrestler shows up and you know he goes and has a wrestling match <laughs> he fights he basically like fights the all of the hired hands that want to leave because they're scared because they're townspeople and they believe the legend that the mummy has come to life and it's going to get them. There's a nice little battle between Santo and all the hired hands and, and uh, he thoroughly whips them. Then the next thing you see is all the people marching back into the cave and then they all get into the cave and then he's like, oh, you guys should go back to the, the camp and keep an eye out for something. So why don't you just leave them there in the first place? Yeah. So they all leave and then they all really leave. They all packed up and left. So, you know, it leaves, you know, a very small group of people left. You know, you got the professor's dead. He's the original professor. There's two professors. Professor Romero has been killed. Mm-hmm. The grandfather's dead. So then the chief guide basically goes, I'll go after him uh, on the only horse that's left. So he's riding away. And the next shot you see is is the, the mummy with a bow and arrow shooting a guy on horseback very accurately in the back. <laughs> When that happened, that was the first time we saw him use the bow and arrow, right? Uh huh. I had a moment of what? When I was watching, <laughs> I'm okay with a mummy going after somebody, busting through a wall, going through a tent, whatever. I'm down with that. Right. But now the mummy's using a weapon, a ranged weapon, with incredible accuracy. Well, yeah, uh, uh, you know, I and I can't tell. Was this supposed to be a hint that something's not exactly as it seems, or is this just low budget Mexican monster movie making? I can't tell. I'm because I'm trying to think back. I can't think of in any of the other Aztec mummy movies that he didn't use any weapon whatsoever. You know, there was no weapons used then. My my favorite. This is like my favorite. The guy, the the guide rides back into the corral where everybody's packing up stuff and getting ready to leave. And he falls off the horse with the arrow still in his back. He lives long enough just to go. The mummy. Of course. And that was it. And everybody's like, what? You know, so <laughs> let's get the heck out of here. Now they want to leave. <laughs> now they're okay with, yeah. So, yeah. Well, we had, we had such a big group of people here. We had to narrow it down and whittle it down to just our core heroes, right? I mean, we had, oh, definitely. We had definitely. all the people from town. We have multiple professors, uh, professor one, professor two. <laughs> there uh, thing one, thing two. Yeah. I mean, we had to really narrow it down. And I feel like, they did that rather organically as best as they could. Oh yeah. I mean, thinning the herd real quick by like, uh, we're scared. We're leaving. Yeah. That kind of got rid of like half the cast right there. Exactly. You know, the cook went with them, <laughs> you know, Oh, the cook, another comic relief character. Yeah. Him and him and professor Jimenez had a couple of little, uh, really painful exchanges. <laughs> um, so everybody decides they're going to, they're going to pack up and leave. So you basically have Sergio, who was the engineer, Santo, Professor Jimenez, Agapito, and then the two women. And that's what's left. Mm-hmm. And then they set up the cots outside. I haven't figured that one out. Well, that makes sense. Sure. You know, they had the cots outside. So Agapito, the two women are sleeping outside. Professor Jimenez goes into the only tent that's left still erected and promptly falls asleep. Uh, and is it Susana that comes in? And starts to take his boots off, but since he's snoring, she's like, yeah, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then she, she leaves him there. 
And then the next shot you see is, and you would think that the tent is like in the middle of the camp and the mummy coming in with a bow and arrow, shooting Professor Jimenez while he sleeps, and then manhandling all of the scrolls and leaves. Oh, and he grabs the chest too of the, of the, yeah, the, well, the, the, yeah, the, the, the treasure of, that we never really see. Yeah. yeah. That was just kind of a, a head scratcher to me because I'm like, well, isn't that guy on, on watch? Cause it well, and the funny thing is they said that Santa was on watch. I'm like, well, isn't, why isn't Santa seeing this? It's right in the middle of the camp. Well, then the next thing is one of the women wake up or something and go into the tent and scream. Yeah. And that wakes Santa up and Santa's sound asleep. And I'm like, well, did he fall asleep on his watch? <laughs> you know, well, that- no. Well, Sergio that was on, because they didn't show the transition between Sergio and Santo. Sergio has been knocked out by apparently the mummy. <laughs> <sighs> you know, there's something about this camp, though, especially these tents, because this isn't the first time that they're not paying attention to that tent. And what I mean is there's a bit where the kid just sneaks out of the tent. No big deal. Oh, yeah. He's supposed to stay in the tent with the women, and he just... Poof, right. And yeah, it's like he's just on the other side of that little blanket. Mm-hmm. Are they just not paying any attention to him, or he is a little kid? Yeah, I guess. So. There's a, a level of absurdity that once you accept in these movies makes them so much more fun. Oh, you have to. I mean, it's yeah. like they're, they were doing and making a movie with what they had. Yep. And to me, what they had was awesome. You know? Yeah. Coming from a failed filmmaker that I am, I'm like, they made movies. They made successful movies. Well, you know, it didn't kill the industry, and they all continued to have roles in films, and, you know, good for them. Oh, yeah. No, it's great. It's great. I mean, like, I think I'm not going to apologize for these movies. No, not at all. There shouldn't be any. No. No. Absolutely not. Well, you know, the camp's getting whittled down. They're, they're out of supplies. At one point, Santo even suggests they eat the horses because horse meat is quite tasty. <laughs> like, how do you know? Uh, yeah. Wait, wait, and, and it's like, they're well, they're having, was it breakfast the next morning or something? <laughs> you know, we've got three horses left and like, well, you know, we can always eat them. <laughs> quite Horse meat is quite tasty. Huh? <laughs> and uh, this uh, this was the best line. My wife says, "What about all the fruit they had back at the uh, the village? Because it was like they had this farmers market, and it was like these huge pineapples and mangoes and yeah. I mean, the professor tried to walk away with them. Yeah, where are you getting those? I mean, they got to be in the jungle. Some of that stuff's got to be grown wild. You know, it's like, no, we're gonna eat the horse. <laughs> getting all packed up, and ready to go. Yeah, not quite. <laughs> not yeah, not." Not quite. This was, I thought this was really cold. At this point, the mummy comes out from behind a tree with a bow and arrow and shoots the secretary. Yeah. I'm like, what? What? Oh, man. I mean, that was just, I mean, she was just sitting on the bed and just boom, got her. Yeah. Pretty uh, anticlimactic end for her. For her, but you know, that whittles it down to just the four. But Sergio has disappeared. We're, we're Maybe the mummy got him. Uh, I think so. Yeah, that had to have been what happened, right? Yep. Oh, oh man. <laughs> then they're starting to pack up. Was this is the mummy takes a shot at Santo with the bow and arrow and that's when he starts shooting at him. <laughs> they chase it, him and Susanna and they corner the mummy quote unquote <laughs> in his tomb in his cave where the the bed is and everything. And then you get the third wrestling match of the movie, which if you want to call it that. Yeah, it really feels more like oh, it's just a weird brawl. I guess. Can I get a continuity check on this? <laughs> did you did you catch that? What's that? 
I'm a continuity nerd. Okay. And I'm one of those kind of guys like, oh, he wasn't wearing that a second ago. Oh, he's wearing it again. Oh, he's not wearing that oh, again. Oh, really? The headdress on the mummy. Okay. I did pick up on that. Go back and look at it. On all the close-ups, he's wearing the headdress. Mm-hmm. And in the actual physical fight between Santo and the mummy, it's knocked off or it's just the the mummy's head and hair and he doesn't have the head mask or he doesn't have the headpiece on yeah yeah i did catch that so, yeah and it was like off on off on off on you know it was it was i mean it was blatant yeah i did so, i did catch that no you're absolutely right so San, santo and the mummy are duking it out there's even a couple of times during this bare knuckle boxing fight uh, uh when the mummy falls backwards and you see his hand go to his head like he's wanting to make sure the mask stays on. <laughs> the oh, mask you, fall just, off. you just left, let the cat out of the bag. You know, there's a spoiler warning. And I'm very, you know, again, you mentioned being a failed filmmaker. Same here. Uh, I, I did a movie, a, short, a movie project in community college where I was a zombie that was, well, set on fire. And I um, was wearing a mask. Before I was set on fire, I had to do a little fight with our lead character and he was hitting the character in the face and the mask did not fit as well as I wanted it to. So every time I fell back (laughs) instinctively, my hand would go straight to my head to hold the mask on. Right. And I didn't know I was doing it until I was editing the thing. And you know, that was weeks later. I'm like, Oh man, (laughs) so I tried to cut around it as much as I can. But now when I see that in a movie, I mean, I can't help but see it because it's, it's, yeah, it's second nature. Like, Oh, he's reaching for something there. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, yeah. But, you know, here during this fight, there are several times when Susanna actually could shoot the guy, could shoot the mummy. But does she? And uh, I'm like, you got a gun, use it. I'm like, yeah. or, or go up behind him and pistol whip him, you know, because when, you know, he's got Santo on the ground and is strangling him, he's, and they're just sitting there cowering in the corner of the, of the cave. Santo obviously wins, knocks the mummy out, and lo and behold... We would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you pesky luchadors. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not a mummy. No, it's not a mummy. It's it's uh, it's Sergio. Yeah. He's just trying to take the treasure all for himself. <laughs> Jinkies. Yeah, and, and you made that comment before we started recording, so I didn't want to steal your thunder here, but yeah, it's... No, that's I would let you do the reveal. It's, it's, it's Scooby-Doo, man. It is. It's done better than Beach Girls and the Monsters, I'll tell you that. Oh, if you haven't seen that one. I know that sometimes these movies that have this as the reveal sometimes turn people off or, or kind of the movies get knocked down in their estimation. I, I don't care. I still love it's still those fun. types of movies. It's Beach still on the Monsters, uh, Ghost of Drag Strip Hollow. Oh, where, one of my, know, that's actually, I love that film. A lot of people poo-poo oh, it, man. That's one of my favorites. No, I love that too. I'm it's actually well, gonna, it's like, you know, you can see all of Blaisdell's creations brought back to life and you get to see blaze himself oh exactly yeah, yeah. um it's so like gonna that's... be talking about that here with brett stillo here on the show here oh, in the near future so. i love that film you know and then the modified she creature i mean we, oh, won't, we won't go into it because i don't want to spoil anything else you know i don't take away from the other episode but yeah if you haven't seen ghost of drag strip hollow you're missing out you're missing out it's a pretty fun film you'll see yeah. a lot of, if you're into b movies you'll see a lot of little references to other b movie monsters that uh Paul Blaisdell made. Who is the master? Now, whoever did the makeup, the mummy design in this film was not Paul Blaisdell. <laughs> no. Oh, boy. Far from it. But yeah, I thought it was pretty nice. I mean, it was a, a nice looking mask. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not saying it's awful. It's just not quite the same. And it is, it's obviously a mask. But then the other thing too is that he had to premeditate that because it was a rubber mask he pulls off his head. 
it's not like he took the the mummy's face and made a mask out of it. He had to pre-make that before he left. Yeah, that that seemed a little odd to me. And then later, you know, everything's all wrapped up and and they go and find uh, the horses that Sergio had packed up and ready for himself so he could escape mm-hmm. after he killed off everybody. They find the real mummy stashed in a tree. Now, it's not the first time we've seen the real mummy. We did see the real mummy earlier when uh, one of the professors is showing everybody, see, it's dead and just starts stabbing it. Right. Well, they they took the mummy's body out of the the cave and and put it in the tent with mm-hmm. the other professor. I, and that, at that point, you're kind of like, it's going to come to life and kill him. Well, in, in the movie, it did. Yeah. So the level of respect toward these artifacts is any it's way worse than anything Indiana Jones ever did. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, we're just going to manhandle this mummy, take it out, and then stab it a bunch. Uh, let's take these scrolls and just manhandle the heck out of them. There's no real scientific approach to any of this, even though they keep saying, we're going to take this back to a museum. You're going to take what back to the museum? The way you're handling these things, they're going to fall apart by the time you get there. But okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's... Uh... Definitely not archaeology, I'll tell you that. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, I still thought that was, you know, that's from the very beginning. It was like, you know, let's just, oh, look at this. Oh, let's take this. Oh, hey, what about this? You know, oh, look, all these scrolls. Let's take those. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's not like they got out the, the brushes and the shovels and kind of carefully worked on it. So nobody laid out a grid. Nobody's taking pictures. Nobody's, you know, doing any of this, you know. On par with grave robbers. There you go. Yeah. Pretty much. Pretty much, right? Yep. And then uh, 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 Agapito and Susanna and Santo all right off into the sunset. Because Santo's got a match. Santo has to get back for his match with... El Buffalo. El Buffalo. That was it. Yes. The guy's huge, too. Uh, did, did you... And El Buffalo, I don't believe, was an actual real wrestler. Do you? Did you do any research into that? I, I couldn't really find anything about him. Yeah. I, I want to say it was probably just some, some jobber that they threw a mask on and told him to get into the ring and... You know. I would I would have to think that because it's a mask versus mask match. Do you think they would actually have somebody get unmasked for a film? Well, uh, well, see, you know, once again, we go back to your beginning uh, comment about how the the wrestling was put into the films for That's entertainment true. purposes. So that would have been awesome to have like an actual mask versus mask match. That's true. So, but mm. and then of course, then Susanna's at ringside, and she's she's the new love interest for uh, Santo. Yeah, for this film anyway. Well, yeah, for this one, and Agapito sitting right there just cheering him on. And everybody lives happily ever after. The end. There's no real sense of continuity between these Santo films. It's too bad. I wish there was. But they're like James Bond movies, right? Kind of. Just little slices of life. And apparently Santo's life is involved with a lot of you know supernatural creatures. That, that world that the luchadors are just a thing. And that they wear a mask, no big deal. They're, they're just part of... The world, and I, I love that that aspect of these films. It's not weird that there's somebody running around with a mask, and of course, the police all defer to them. And it's okay if they go around off on this trip to unearth a mummy. And I just I love that about this wacky little world of luchador monster movies. It just adds to the myth of um, you know the fantasy that these luchadors are down in Mexico. They're yeah. re- they're revered. I mean, they're you know they're superheroes. I love it. Got to give the kids what they want. And they kept making money. I mean, they kept doing them. There's a oh, reason yeah. why there are so many of them. I mean, they, they were successful films. Yeah. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right. <laughs> 
these guys made careers, you know, the filmmakers made careers out of doing that fun stuff. It, it really is fun. And I love talking about these movies with people who get it. I know that we kind of chuckled through a lot of this and there's a lot to chuckle about. Oh, there is, yeah. there are continuity issues. There are really weird choices with the dialogue. And again, I'm assuming this is a translation thing, but you know, I know we try to keep it pretty clean here in Monster Kid Radio, but at one point a character tells Santo, fear is a bitch, Santo. What? That was one of my favorite lines that they actually was translated. I'm like, did he just say what I think he just said? Spanish, so I don't know what the actual literal translation, if that was a literal translation or if it was just, but, you know, because there was, yeah. And you can actually see that I, when I was doing some research about this online, trying to find anything that I could, that screenshot comes up quite a bit. I'm like that, <laughs> that's not really in the movie, is it? No, when you watch it, you, yeah, nope. it really yes, is. It is. It's there. Yep. Santo deals out life advice to the kid. Go ahead and cry now because you're, you're going to be a man and men well, don't yeah, cry. You're a child now. You can cry, but when you become a man, don't cry. Sometimes you have to become a man quicker than, yeah. yeah Santo's like, not really, yeah. You're not, yeah, you're, yeah, you're not, uh, <laughs> not anybody I'm looking up to, buddy. Yeah. So. But, you know, it's, it's also a snapshot of what society and culture was like. And I can go off on yeah, that Yeah, and of course, again, it's, you know, we're completely different in, in the Mexican society than what it is here. So it's. Exactly. It's just another transitional um, thing. And we're watching these movies, what, at least 20 years later? 20. 30, ah, 40. 40. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> God, yeah. How old are we? Right. What, what year is this? <laughs> Starting to sound like that professor again. Get off uh, my front lawn. <laughs> I just discovered something. I don't know what it is, but it's in my garden. <laughs> it's what? in my garden. What? What? Huh? But these are just, they're fun to watch. Uh, they're fun to kick back. And you, you don't have to engage a lot of high brain function here with these things. And sometimes that's okay. I watch them without subtitles. Well, you, you know. don't need to. I mean, I, no. the joke that we make is always, you know, it speaks the international language of wrestling. What more <laughs> exactly, do you need? Exactly. What more do you need, right? It doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. I would love to know what people say. And one of these days, like I said, I'm going to learn how to at least pronounce Spanish words. And I would love to be able to speak a little bit Japanese because I want to watch the kaiju films without subtitles for once but and without dubbing. But, you know, you, you don't need that with these things. There are some of these movies that have been released without subtitles. But so what? I've got uh, one of the the Champions of Justice three disc sets. All they didn't do subtitles on it. Yeah, for the third one. And and I can't remember which one it is, but I've got a Mel Moskers film here that is not subtitled that yeah. I've watched repeatedly because it's just goofy fun. Oh, you yeah. know, I mean, it's like it's. I mean, like I said, I'm not making apologies for this. this no. is if you like monsters watch these films they're they're entertaining if you like wrestling really watch these films they're entertaining you know you know if you like monsters and wrestlers what are you waiting for this film itself uh the one we just talked about even though it's not a real monster it's fun i hope people check it out uh it's it's got some neat things in it and you get to see santo act with his kid now that's kind of neat right I so think there's so. that so there's that so mark dr yes. tongue yes where can people find it online drtongtoys.com and then you can find me on Etsy I have a storefront on Etsy under Dr. Tongues Toys all one word that's D-R-T-O-N-G-U-E-S-T-O-Y-S um, we're on Instagram we're on Facebook under Dr. Tongues Toys and you're everywhere so I, I well you know you kind of have to be <laughs> in this day and age yeah. or if you're in Portland stop by the store hey I'm there there you go. Where's the store located? Uh, 7129 Northeast Fremont Street. That's where Sandy and Fremont come together. 
There you go. Well, listeners, uh, you've heard me play the uh, audio from the really cool TV spot that you can see if you watch me TV locally, uh, which I think you produced that, didn't you? Yeah, I wrote and produced it, uh, did the voiceover, starred in it briefly, uh, and still cost me money. (laughs) It's fun, though. I dig it. Oh, no, yeah, thanks, man. I had a lot of fun. Like I said, I'm a failed filmmaker, and I figured that was uh, one of the ways that I would actually get to get some creative juices going <laughs> that and then doing the spots on, on uh, the podcast, which I really appreciate you letting me do, man. Oh, man. It's like I, I have a lot of fun doing those. I, I have a lot of fun putting them together. I love it when you send something in and I hope it drums up a little bit of business for you because listeners, Dr. Tongue's the real deal. He knows his stuff. I love going to the shop. It's just not nearby me. So I don't get out there very often, but you know what? Mark's a monster kid. We got to support our own. Thank you. <laughs> Dr. Tongue Toys is where you can find Dr. Tongue's I Had That Shop. Of course, he's also on Facebook, and he even has an Etsy shop. So go show him some love and tell Mark that you heard about Dr. Tongue here on Monster Kid Radio. You know, I need to have him on the show outside of May because he loves these monster movies, man. If you spend any time with him at his shop at Dr. Tongue's I Had That Shop, you know, this man is a monster kid through and through. So I appreciate him taking the time to chat with us here during Lucha de Mayo. And yeah, Mark, you're the man. Thanks. Trap. 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 (laughs) They're traps in a whirlpool of shrieking fear. From the most fiendish idea ever conceived by the human brain. The brainiac. And it has a friend. She was beautiful, desirable, and not altogether human. The curse of the crying women. Together they will trap you in a world of horror. But if you live through it, you will never forget the brainiac and the curse of the crying women. Three animated TV series, three animated feature films, over 50 years of stories, over 150 characters, 10 core comic book titles, 27 spin-off comic book titles, nearly 30 limited series spin-offs, and of course, four feature films. Well, okay, five if you count Captain America Civil War, or maybe it's like four and a half. The Avengers are a Marvel Comics mainstay, and no matter how many films crush it at the box office, or how many more Avengers spin-off titles come out, it all comes back to that original comic series that Stan Lee and Jack Kirby thrust upon the world in 1963. And I'm going to read the entire run. My name is Derek M. Cook, and I'm a recovering comic book fan. Over on my YouTube channel, Comicstalgia, you can join me as I make my way through the comic with my Reading the Avengers YouTube series. Every episode, I'll take a look at an issue of the comic, share my thoughts about the story, its artwork and characters, and reflect on how the issue may have impacted or inspired other facets and corners of all things Marvel. I'd like to invite you to join me as I make my way through every single issue of this iconic comic book. Assemble with me at tinyurl.com slash readingtheavengers or look up Comicstalgia on YouTube where you can find all the previous episodes and even subscribe to make sure you don't miss anything 
while we're reading The Avengers. That's tinyurl.com slash reading the Avengers. Nuff said. Here he is. Watch out. For here is a superhuman with the strength of a hundred men. and nothing seems able to stop him. Invincible, invulnerable. Argo Man, the fantastic Superman. But even he had his Achilles heel, a beautiful woman's kiss. Kill each other. Kill each other. Argo Man, the fantastic Superman. Kill each other. A man gifted with such extraordinary powers that ordinary men were helpless to cope with him. Everyone and everything was pitted against him, from hired killers to the most diabolical inventions of modern science. The world's most beautiful women vied for his favors, or the chance to kill him. each other. Argo Man, the fantastic Superman. which will take you on a journey out of time, carry you on a crest of thrills and laughter from start to finish. Be sure to see this Superman power. Don't miss it. You know, there's still time for you to vote in the third round of the 2019 Monster Movie Madness tournament that we're doing here on Monster Kid Radio. The deadline for this current round is May 12th, and I'm pretty pumped because we've had more votes this time around than the previous two rounds. So, you know, we're getting more activity going, which is awesome. So May 12th is the deadline. And then after that, next week, you're going to hear Steve Turek and I reveal the winners of that round, and then announce what the matchups will be for the next round. Check out tinyurl.com, MM Madness 2019, 
to fill out your ballot. And only one vote per person, okay? Just trying to keep it honest. Anyway, that brings us to the end of this episode of Monster Kid Radio. I want to thank you guys and gals for sticking around and checking it out. And I hope we really didn't lose you when uh, we started talking wrestling earlier. I, You know, like I said with Mark, I don't get an opportunity to talk about that kind of stuff with people very often. So when the opportunity presented itself, I just kind of dove right in or suicide dove right in. That's a thing, right? A suicide dive, that's a move. Body slammed myself into, you know, it doesn't matter. I just appreciate Mark indulging me and you guys and gals indulging me. Head over to monsterkidradio.net to learn everything you need to know about Monster Kid Radio between episodes and you can find our contact information over there. Drop me an email at monsterkidradio at gmail.com or call and leave me a voicemail at 503-479-5657. 503-4795-MKR. You know, we haven't had any honest-to-goodness show feedback lately, which is why you haven't heard my wife Brenda on the show lately. So if you have any comments, any feedback that you'd like to share with the show, well, you know what to do, and then we'll address it on a future episode. Also at the website, you're going to find links to everything that we talked about here on the show. Dr. Tongue Shop, Professor Frenzy's site, and there will be Amazon links, or affiliate links, that you can use to add copies of my book, Monster Hunter for Hire, to your personal library, the comic book collection that Professor Frenzy is referencing in his bedtime stories. Basically, anything that you pick up using these Amazon links, you help out the show a little bit. And it was pointed out to me, and I don't know why I didn't realize this, you can use the link from the monsterkidradio.net page to get to Amazon, but you don't necessarily have to buy the item that it's promoting. What I mean is, is you can say you're going to shop now, and it'll take you straight to the Monster Hunter for Hire book listing, but you don't have to add that to your cart. Just make sure that you use that link to then search elsewhere on Amazon for what you want, and it's still under our referral. So we still help out Monster Kid Radio that way. You can also help out Monster Kid Radio by buying us a cup of coffee. Kind of. Sort of. And you can do that by going over to coffee.com. That's ko-fi.com slash Monster Kid Radio. By the time this episode goes out, I will have more than likely purchased my plane tickets to get to Monster Bash, but I'm still trying to stir up some funds to pay for my hotel room. I'm getting closer and closer, but I still got a long way to go, which is why I've been putting so much on eBay. So if you want to help out with that, well, coffee is a great way to do it. There'll be a link to that in the show notes as well as well as a link to my eBay store where I'm posting things every other day, trying to clear out some space here at Monster Kid Radio Central. And like I said, pay for my hotel room. I am so looking forward to Monster Bash. That is going to be a real treat. I actually spoke with Dr. Gain Green yesterday on the phone for about an hour and a half. And I know he's pumped to make his return to Monster Bash. He hasn't been in 15 years. And then, of course, Dominique Lamsey's, Chris McMillan. Scott and Tracy Morris, Kenny's going to be there. Rod Barnett's going to be there. It's just so many amazing people that I've met through Monster Kid Radio and beyond are going to be there. I, I just am really looking forward to it. And of course, the premiere of House of the Gorgon. Oh, man. Let's talk about what's coming up next week. We're going to get back on track with what I thought we were... I had the schedule screwed up. Too many chair shots to the head. I announced the wrong movie last week, but this time I'm announcing the right movie. I'll have Frank Schildener returning to the show master author, great friend, and big fan of these movies. We're going to be talking about the movie. Okay, I was going to try to pronounce this in Spanish. I even have Google Translate loaded up on my computer right now, reading the Spanish translation to me, but I, I, I'm I, not even going to try. The movie is Santo and Blue Demon versus Dracula and the Wolfman. And this one, I mean, you heard me introduce it last week when we showed it at the Joy Cinema. 
you're going to hear an in-depth conversation with Frank about this film next week. So stay tuned for that. And of course, you'll have all the regular segments and maybe not so regular segments next week as well. I'm excited for it. And I hope you are too. Monster Kid Radio is a registered service mark of Monster Kid Radio LLC. All original content of Monster Kid Radio by Monster Kid Radio LLC is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 3.0 unported license. Of course, that doesn't apply to the song Chupacabra Mascota. That belongs to the band Los Penguinos. Now, you can find them on Bandcamp, surflospenguinos.bandcamp.com, or just go straight to their website, and that's lospinguinos.us. That's L-O-S-P-I-N-G-U-I-N-O-S dot U-S. That'll take you straight to their website, which will have a link to CD Baby, where you can buy their album by way of Rosarito, so you can support them that way as well. They've also got links to their own Facebook page, their YouTube channel, and all of that. So check them out. Show them some Monster Kid Radio love. My name is Derek M. Cook. I'll talk to everybody next week. Adios. Adios.